What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Monday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined for the first time ever after almost four hundred episodes of this podcast. Arif Hassan is here. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm good. Um, were you bored yesterday at all watching the games? <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I had a, I had some house stuff to take care of too, so I was able to distract myself. Okay, because they're. Um, I mean the the lack of Vikings football. I I wonder with bye weeks for you. Um, with the Falcons, bye weeks are amazing, especially this. <laughs> where you're just like I can just turn my my dumb brain off for the day. Um, but I'm sure. Just getting a week off from Kirk Cousins must be nice. Uh, it is actually because uh, you know he's one of those quarterbacks that you kind of always have to have a take on. You know, <laughs> you always have to be yeah. ready. For... What is your take? <laughs> uh, it's fluid now, but <laughs> um, yeah, my my original take was that he was a quarterback that was was really great at getting you like eighty five percent of the way there. Um, that he's very good at kind of following the process of being a quarterback. You know, if there was a textbook on how to be a quarterback, he had read it through and through and he follows it uh, perfectly. But the problem, of course, is that when the situations that exist in a game don't exist in the textbook, you know, he doesn't have a really great ability to execute them. And so his ability in like two-minute situations and stuff like that, uh, not great. But, you know, we've, we've seen him uh, turn it around in those situations against Dallas, against Denver. Um, and then last year, you know, he had a moment against Green Bay. So... Uh, that that may no longer be the case. I don't know, but uh, certainly when it comes to uh, standard down and distance, he's actually uh, a very underrated quarterback. Although maybe not so much anymore. You know, he's getting Pro Bowl love. A lot of Viking fans are complaining that he's not getting MVP love. I don't know about that, but MVP love. That, I mean, that's what Vikings fans want. They want they want Cousins Why? to be the MVP. Well, they're winning, and he's got a high passer rating. I mean, sure. But, like, this is the conversation baseball... Okay, so baseball is very regionalized now, and fans don't really watch unless their team's in it. And they're, once their team's eliminated, like, once Braves fans lost the Braves in the postseason, they didn't keep watching. No one watched the remainder of the postseason. Um, so they're very, very hardcore about their team. And, like, the MVP conversation is very toxic and something that I very much don't like. And But one of my... I, I hate the, the straw man argument of, like, they should be in the MVP conversation. I hate the sports conversation more than maybe anything right now because it's like, well, no, they shouldn't because you, you're acknowledging that there are people that are far more deserving. You just want your guy to get a little bit more love and you want to throw the MVP thing out. It's like, yeah, if they all die, sure. Like, you should get some MVP <laughs> love. But guess what? Being the seventh best player, when you're looking at them, you're like, they should get some MVP consideration. No, they shouldn't. They should get some consider like a consideration for being good at their sport. Just right. not. You don't have to throw the MVP part of it out just to like. I, I just I hate it. I hate that argument so much. Like Freddie Freeman deserves some MVP love. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Freddie Freeman has never been the best player in the NL. 
Right. So, Stop. so in order for, I think, I, I actually, I completely agree with you um, because we have a system for that. It's called the Pro Bowl. Uh, right. <laughs> um, uh, and, and they do the same thing with like the Hall of Fame. But it, it's interesting because uh, when you say someone should be in the MVP conversation, it's never to engage in the conversation, right? Because then you have yeah. to ask, so what's your case that this player is the best player in the NFL? And then, mm. well, there's no case, right? So Exactly. So end of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on, folks. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's honestly, it's like this player should be considered a tier two or tier three player, which uh, is a fair thing to say, but to couch it Mm -hmm. in uh, the context of the MVP race, I thought it was always so. Although I don't like the MVP. I think it should just be the most outstanding player because we already have an all pro for quarterbacks that recognizes the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, So for me, I I think it should be a most outstanding player. And then we can, uh, you know, reward, you know, the Aaron Donalds of the world with, with the consideration they deserve. What if we just got rid of awards? Award shows are terrible. Award arguments are terrible. Let's just get rid of all of them. You can't do things you, are bad right now. Can't. Let's just get rid of awards. That that's an easy fix. Can't do that. I mean, no. It's that's how sports work. You know, you need rewards. You need to have these pointless arguments over and over again every year. Well, yeah, because the entertainment industry needs its own entertainment industry. Exactly. Um, my favorite thing on Kirk Cousins is that. Um, I don't know if you listen to the PFF NFL show at all, but Sam Monson um, had this really good monologue a couple weeks ago on Kirk Cousins where it's like, and it's a good way of describing him in a lot of quarterbacks who are in his tier where he is good enough to win you a Super Bowl if you catch if he like catches fire at the right time for your season. So if you like you, if Kirk Cousins starts playing at an MVP type level um, from weeks 10 to the playoffs, you have a shot because your defense is good enough like the offensive line's playing well enough you like there is a way there is an avenue to you getting through the nfc juggernaut and making it through the problem is like he's either all or nothing we'll all have these multiple weeks of just average to blow average play and then he'll have every season it seems like he has this stretch where he's just awesome and unfortunately for vikings fans maybe it's happening right now and you just don't know if that's gonna putter off um by the end of the season like you need him to keep this going um long term but like only a couple quarterbacks in the nfl can just be awesome week in week out forever like the mahomes the actual mvp quarterbacks can keep that going week over week but for quarterbacks like cousins you kind of need them to be um hot for your season at the right time not early on not middle of the road like you need him to start playing at an elite level in starting in like week 15 yeah, so the the thing about Cousins is that you know the, the textbook description it's interesting because I find him to be a remarkably consistent quarterback inside of a game. So if you catch him on a couple of first and tens, see how he plays, that's probably how he's going to play for the entire game, but he's inconsistent from week to week. Um he'll make the same decisions, the question about kind of whether or not he'll be accurate enough or make them quickly enough, that's kind of the part that ends up being pretty inconsistent. And so I actually I think I remember uh this uh this episode of the podcast that Sam's talking about. Um mm-hmm. because he he'd mentioned that he really hates the phrase uh you can win a Super Bowl with this quarterback or you can win with him or something. Right. It's like, well, of course you can. That's yes. Uh, <laughs> you have to be thunderously bad for you not to be able to. So uh, and, and, and Cousins falls into this class of quarterbacks where that's basically 
where the conversation, to bring it back to conversations, kind of ends because uh, a lot of other things have to go right. And so you have to construct a team that is able to take advantage of a quarterback that puts you in that position. And that's, I think that's always been the book on Cousins is that, you know, he's not necessarily a player that'll elevate uh, the the play of the players random. Although, again, now that we're in the middle of a hot streak, you, you want to say, ah, maybe he is. Um but I, I think that he has consistently been a player that has been kind of subject to how good his offensive coordinator has been. Um, he's had some really good ones. They've been hired elsewhere. They've they've won some stuff. Um, and then also, uh, you know, the 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 supporting cast, the talent to random. So right now it's you know uh, Stephon Diggs, but before it was like Deshaun Jackson. Um, you know he had a better offensive line in Washington, but right now it's performing a little better. Plus, kind of this play-action-heavy uh, scheme is helping him out a lot. And so, yeah, he's he's in this place where uh, because he's inconsistent from week to week, I think everybody remembers kind of, especially if you're a Vikings fan, remembers the Green Bay game and the Chicago Bears game where he was just kind of abysmal. And honestly, you know, there were, there were portions of, of, of the Denver game where this is kind of why the Denver game kind of changes things a little bit because he was – bad in the first half and really great in the second half, uh, not something that happens for him. He just tends to be kind of one level of play once you kind of establish what it is. Um, we, we've seen kind of rough play in wins, too. So it's it's kind of difficult to always nail down. You know, he hasn't been good for eight games or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if uh, if it's, it's streaky from game to game. So I don't know if, you know, uh, you're catching him on fire, uh, kind of the same way that you might catch a goalie in hockey through the playoffs. Um, I think it's just kind of you roll the dice and that's what you have that day, which I think, you know, that's what Eli Manning was. And, you know, he ended up with two rings. So, uh, I, you know, he's not as interception prone as Eli, but he doesn't, you know, he's not as aggressive either. So you don't necessarily always mm-hmm. get the big plays. But, yeah, it's kind of the same thing where you get. And sometimes, you know, that can be, really decisive and great and sometimes you know you kind of have to work around it what was your uh, biggest surprise this weekend in the nfl um well obviously part of it has to do with uh, aaron Rodgers and, and his level of play so i've i've been kind mm-hmm. of on board the the bandwagon that you know he's not been playing all that well um relative to kind of the expectations for him so his numbers for the past three years have been pretty average-ish um, he had a he had a pretty good play, uh, stretch of play in 2016. You thought he had it back. Uh, and then 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, what are some examples? What have what was he average in the last three years? What have you seen it decline in? Well, sure. So statistically, you know, there's there's like yards per attempt and and expected mm-hmm. points and all that. I think uh, mechanically, or when you take a look on film, uh, it's it's remarkably inconsistent. The thing is, the stuff that he's been good at that he's known for being good at he has remained good at or he's remained phenomenal at it uh throwing on the run improvising the ability to respond under pressure to doing seeing kind of the short dump off that nobody else would see seeing the free play stuff like that he's always been good at that he continues to be good at that the issue is on routine plays he's missing players you know uh you know you can maybe chalk that up to the receivers not understanding kind of the details of a receiver playing and seeing what he wants to do but if he's not consistently adapting to what his receivers are doing plus i mean he's got Devonte adams so it's not as if he's missing receiver talent um he's just kind of throwing it in the wrong places you know he's throwing it deep down the sidelines he's a little bit too risk averse when it comes to when it comes to deep shots so you know, he's kind of famous for avoiding interceptions but that tendency also means that he doesn't take 
some of the some of the shots until he he absolutely has to, and that means he misses out on the ability to make some explosive plays. And so last night we saw um, he had negative six air yards on completions. Uh, and so he had 104 total yards, which means he had 110 yards after the catch, which means, of course, that he had more yards after the catch than he had before the catch as a as a passer, which is remarkable. You very rarely see that. Um, so his ad- average depth of target and completions was negative one. Um, and that, I think, demonstrates some of the some of the issues that he has with risk. Now, obviously, we saw, you know, a, a drop from, I think, Geronimo Allison. We saw a pass deflection from Jimmy Graham that maybe you'd, you'd normally expect Jimmy Graham to make it. It's not all that. But I think that for the most part, his risk aversion plus the fact that he's now missing some routine throws. I remember a third and two, he just kind of dirted it. You know, there's an open receiver um, leaking out to one side of the field. Classic kind of third and two play action. You got this guy open. Nobody's covering him. And he's at the sticks and he just misses him. The ball hits the ground. And and that's just happening a lot more often for him where these routine plays, either he plays too conservative and checks down or he just misses a receiver. But you get to counterbalance that with the stuff that he's consistently phenomenal with. And uh, it's difficult for someone to come out and say, hey, I don't think he has it anymore because he he does the stuff that he's good at still. So it is kind of difficult, but I didn't expect, you know, obviously San Francisco is a really high level defense or one of the, I think they're the second best defense in the NFL right now behind the Patriots. And so um, you, you expect them to be able to kind of put the clamps on on anybody, including Rodgers. But I think the level of play we saw from Rodgers was really poor. So that was pretty surprising. Um, I expected more from Dallas, but I think the weather had a lot to do. Obviously, the Patriots defense, like I just mentioned, is really great, but the weather has a lot to do with that. Um, yeah, it's Seahawks, you know, they always make it tough for themselves. They're, I think they're a more talented team than they put together, and, and that's frustrating to see because you just want talented teams to perform. Like I wanted Dallas to perform against the, the Patriots. I wanted the Seahawks to perform. So, um, yeah, those are some of the surprises, I guess, from the weekend. It is interesting the way you describe Rodgers and his decline in certain areas and his um, ability to keep other things moving, like throwing on the run and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't sound to me like a quarterback that will age well, where Brady's stuff is fine and was always going to be fine long term. And like him playing till 47, it's not that crazy. But like somebody like Rodgers, the stuff that he's doing well and still doing exceptionally well, moving around, using his athleticism, improvising, it seems like that's not something that's going to be good at 40 so if he's dropping off in the areas where older quarterbacks thrive and keep things going it makes me wonder if he's in like if we're in store for like a really random bad drop off from rogers in the coming years yeah well i think in some ways we've already seen it but yeah i think so um when a quarterback kind of thrives on these off-platform throws the improvisation um now some quarterback i mean Favre lasted a really long time so it's not definitive 100 percent, but you know drew Brees, tom brady peyton manning they've clearly lasted a lot longer than other styles of quarterback so i think it's likely that we'll see you know we'll continue to see or we'll see a very dramatic drop off and because rogers is so dependent on arm strength to make his stuff work um and again Favre, you know but because it's so dependent on arm strength, i think he's more likely to be susceptible to age and of course you know he arrived onto the scene a lot older because of course he's sitting behind far of all people so um his drop off might it just might feel and i think it has been a lot more sudden than people anticipated because they're not used to seeing him uh, a quarterback be elite and then and then just kind of disappear um because you know he's 
he he entered the scene so old relative to other quarterbacks. Can you explain what's going on with Carson Wentz right now? I know we all love the out-of-context Twitter gifts, like him <laughs> overthrowing Miles Sanders out of the backfield, which would have been an easy score, it looked like. But um, it seems like uh, going into the season, like if you looked at adjusted completions, where like if Nelson Aguilar and all of his receivers were catching the balls that Carson Wentz was putting there, his completion percentage was fine. Like it was a deceiving stat, just looking at it from a basic completion percentage stat. Um, if you adjust for what his receivers were doing and you're watching the film on that, you're like, oh, this isn't Carson Wentz's fault. Like a lot of what's going on here is not his fault. And in the last couple weeks, it seems like the narrative is kind of shifting where it's like, oh, maybe there is something wrong with Carson. Um, what have you seen or what, what do you think is going on with Carson and, and just Philadelphia as a whole? I'm kind of the last person to ask cause I'm like a notorious Carson Wentz hater, but, mm. <laughs> um, uh, if, if I wanted to be completely honest about, about the evaluation, um, yeah, obviously not having talent at receiver is just this remarkable detriment to, to the production that they've been able to put together. Um, but I think it's, so I think it's like the second or third highest drop rate among receivers in the league, depending on, you know, whether or not you use PFF or sport radar or, or whatever. But, um, when you so you mentioned that his completion percentage kind of looks fine after you account for all the drops, and I think that's part of the problem too is that it should look pretty phenomenal um, because of mm. the level of play we expect from him. And uh, when you take a look at it, when you adjust completion percentage for like the difficulty of throw based on like distance thrown and stuff like that, the 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 stuff that they're doing with like next gen stats, um, and then you account for uh, just the high volume of drops that you get from from those receivers. Yeah, there's um, it, it it looks fine. It looks like above average. Um, but again, that's that's not where you expect him to be. And I think that he might be a quarterback where where confidence is is really critical. Um, Dan Orlovsky just just pushed a tweet onto the timeline right before we record this, and he's explaining how uh, some of the receivers, especially I think, uh, are Sega Whiteside. Um, they haven't been playing receiver very well outside of the context of just drops. They just haven't been playing the details very well. And so they'll signal that they're open or they'll signal um, either consciously or directly or indirectly that they'll be open. And then they don't do kind of the next part of the play, whether that's stacking the receiver or, you know, fighting back to the ball or something like that. And so a play that looks inaccurate is actually originally meant to be originally accurate and then the receiver kind of screws it up and i think that plays a role too it's not just kind of drop rates i think the receiver situation in, in philadelphia is so dire that it's it's a it's a significant part of the receiving process all parts of it just kind of get screwed up including release off the line of scrimmage and that screws up timing and stuff like that um so i think that plays a role too but you know he he also uh is just missing passes you know uh, obviously the miles sanders one um sticks in everybody's mind but when things, when he's not kind of comfortable with how things are going, he tends to hold on to the ball a little bit more, invite pressure. We saw that when he was coming back from injury too. Um, we saw that his rookie year, he kind of resolved it. Um, he was getting rid of the ball on time in, in 2017. Um, and then after recovery from injury, it seemed like he was holding on to the ball again and inviting pressure and sometimes sacks. And that kind of screws up uh, everything offensively too because, you know, it's a West Coast offense. It's very timing-oriented. Um, and so that I think kind of creates a lot of these problems. Um, and then if he's not trusting what he's seeing or if he's not trusting 
the receivers to to fight for the ball and win it. Um, he kind of, I think he probably overcompensates with the, you know, what he's doing with the ball. And so, um, you know, leading a receiver too far away in order to create exclusive real estate, make it impossible for a pass deflection to occur, but also therefore impossible to catch. Um, I think a lot of these are, are playing a role in, in what Wentz does. And so, uh, when you invite pressure, pressure is going to affect your level of play, whether you're the best quarterback in the NFL or the worst. Um, even Tom Brady, I think he's a 40% passer rating drop when, when he's under pressure. Um, and so, you know, that just all the, all that plays a role. So, um, I think these are all interrelated. I think that if you get kind of a better receiving core in there, you don't automatically fix the problem, but you can move towards fixing the problem because that receiver core then has a, does a better job um, making sure that when when Wentz puts his faith in them with tight window passes, that they can pay back that faith. And maybe that'll improve his confidence. But there are problems that are kind of isolated to him, and he needs to get kind of his feet back under him. Are we sure if they didn't just have Amari Cooper, we're having the Dak conversation with Carson Wentz this year, where it's like he's doing everything by himself. Congratulations to Carson Wentz on another MVP type season because he has Amari Cooper out here doing ridiculous stuff. It's tough to say because I, I have no idea what having Amari Cooper at the beginning of the season would do for the way he's continuing to approach the position, right? Because yeah. if if receivers are failing him and then he's overcompensating for that, you know, is does Amari Cooper resolve that? You know, does he get over targeted? Does he become no longer an, an interesting um, or efficient target to have? Um, I don't know, but my sense is obviously that Wentz would be playing a lot better, but not, but that he would be a Pro Bowl conversation, not an MVP conversation, mm. if you will. So um, I, I don't know that we'd be there, especially because I'm not sure that he's ever completely recovered from injury in terms of the way that he plays in terms of pocket management. But I have to imagine that it would improve things pretty substantially. Are the Jets turning a corner? Are, are we finally getting to see uh, what the Jets could be um, with a, a capable uh, quarterback? I, a capable, I do not trust Sam uh, Darnold. I just don't. No. Also, so this no happens. Carson Wentz, no Sam Darnold. Who do you like? <laughs> Well, I was just very critical of Kirk too. Uh, oh, that's true. No, you were like you're kind of in on the Kirk. I can tell there is some there was some level of Vikings fandom in your Kirk analysis. <laughs> I'm not even going to diss it. Like we anyone who's listening to this podcast cannot listen to how you gave scathing reviews of Aaron Rodgers' decline, Carson Wentz, eh, who he's over, he's just changing too much. He's never going to be healthy. And then uh, going back on like, well, and then Sam Darnold and then Kirk Cousins, just um, the way you talked about him. There was a, uh, I don't know, there was a strong <laughs> difference and uh, people can play the tapes back, but um, you cannot run from that, <laughs> sir. Well, I've got a, I've got, I've got pretty scathing articles of Kirk Cousins I can point to if I need to. But mm. um, yeah, we, we actually we've seen this from the Jets a lot. Interestingly, where a lot of their quarterbacks will end up playing quarterbacks plural, unfortunately for them, play really well at the end of the year, and then they don't carry it into the first ten games of the next year. That happened to Sam Darnold last year. It seems to be happening to him this year. Um, I didn't love him coming out of college uh, because I thought. Um, all the stuff that he does really well is obviously very difficult to teach, but the stuff that he does poorly is also really important to winning games, and, and he never did a great job managing turnovers. Sometimes in some games, it's not going to bite you. Obviously, against Oakland, it didn't. 
But I, I just don't think the fundamentals are there. I think we saw a late season resurgence from him last time, and it just didn't turn into anything. It's difficult to have a conversation about him, of course, because the whole mono thing happened. But yeah, I don't think he was playing well before that either. Um, so no, I don't really think the Jets are are turning around. Plus, I just don't think they can turn it around with Adam Gase as a head coach. He's just managing the team just really poorly. Um, so that's going to be a cap on on what they can do too. I am not going to lie. I'm an Adam Gase guy. I like... How? I, how um, are there Adam Gase guys out there? Well, let me explain. I um I love fucking weirdos. And he's a weirdo. That's inarguable. Like, that I just... I love those guys. Like, Kyle Shanahan is a more successful version of this, where he's clearly a dick, and clearly, like, someone who just lives by a very strict schedule. Um he's dealt with nothing but football his entire life growing up uh, behind Mike Shanahan. And if you read the Shanahan stories, did you read that piece on ESPN about Mike Shanahan and Kyle and Matt LaFleur from a couple days ago? No, but the person you're describing sounds like a less extreme version of Chip Kelly. So are you a fan right. of Chip Kelly? Absolutely. Okay. Well, yeah, that's consistent then. Yeah, I, I, I would say I'm consistent in my uh, admiration uh, for, um, just weird weird guys like i like weirdos because there's just too many like jason garrett oh no thanks <laughs> I, I don't like coaches like that no thanks on any of that personality like adam gase i just feel like is a psycho like i would love to get in a room with him for an hour and talk football because i have no idea where that would go and he might in the middle of it just do a line of whatever that was he was doing that preseason game like i really don't know what would happen in a long conversation with adam gase like he is someone that is just, I think, overzealous in his preparation and just how much he looks into everything. Also love how Gase and Shanahan use their connections to get jobs. I love that. They have weird, they're somehow anointed as the the savior and get the benefit of the doubt all the time. Like Peyton Manning calls in a favor for his buddy in New York and has the owner's ear and it's like, oh, Adam Gase gets another job. Congratulations, buddy. Kyle Shanahan works his magic with John Lynch and maneuvers out of Atlanta and all that stuff and all these different great jobs. I love guys who are proactive and just, um, I, I, I'm, as you can see, like your admiration for Kirk Cousins and your loathing for other quarterbacks i'm i admire weird ass coaches and uh loathe very by the book boring coaches also greg williams you can't just you can't i, you I can't. love it that's they're all psycho disgusting <laughs> <laughs> he came back from bounty gate to put together a top 10 defense this came, year folks came back from as if like <laughs> this is some like heroic journey he's taken it is it's he a suffered story from he suffered from bounty gate yeah Jamal Adams, awesome this year. Awesome. He's turned that defense around. Greg Williams knows how to get top 10 defenses. For about a year. Everywhere he goes. For about a year. Well, that's all they need. <laughs> Jets are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, in none of that did you demonstrate that Gase is to be trusted. So, Oh, absolutely not. I have no idea. But what I would say is that I appreciate him for doing a civil service and beating down the Oakland Raiders to keep them out of the playoffs this year because we were very much on the road to the Raiders and the Bills getting the two wild card spots. And remember how more quarterbacks that I don't game... trust. Oh God. Um I saw some Derek Carr MVP love in the last couple weeks and stuff like that. Yeah, like two good weeks and people were like, Well, that's nice. <laughs> I would just hate if he's my quarterback. Like, I get it. 
I I get that like I I I do love the, the eyeliner stuff matters. I'll say the eyeliner is the part that I love. Okay. The every Why? everything well because it's well it's the same thing for coaches for you and coaches right? It's who what other quarterback does that? No one does That's that. Fair. That's insane. That's incredible. <laughs> Why would you do that? Uh, it doesn't complement his look at all. Like he doesn't. He just he looks like a football player with eyeliner. That's it. There's nothing else he does. There's no aesthetic that he's going for. It's just a thing that he does. I think that's hilarious and amazing. That's true. Um, but I just didn't want the Raiders to have to go to like Houston and then the Bills going to like I don't know who would they have gone to in this situation because the Bill I don't know. But basically, we know how those two games are going. Remember that Bills Jags playoff game? Oh, Jesus. From a couple years. Like and the Chargers were storming down the end of the the season, but they just dug themselves too big of a hole. They went to two Chargers yeah. to start the season, and they couldn't get all the way back. But I was instituting where it's like, well, look, what if we just gave the Bills a playoff berth in theory? Like you can raise you the, banner, the banner, right? but you're actually not allowed to play in the game on national television. Like we have to actually put in the Chargers. So we're making an executive decision. We're flexing the Bills out of the playoffs, and I think that's what we should do this that's year: smart. flex the Bills out and flex the Raiders if they get in because. Both are very average to below average teams that just take advantage of a weak schedule, and I don't want either of them in the playoffs. Sorry, Raiders fans. Sorry, Bill fans. No, I I agree. I I don't. Uh, the Bills are like eight and three or something. Is that that's wild? I can't believe that. <laughs> Look at their schedule, and you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I I now I'm challenged to like think of quarterbacks that I like. So obviously Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, that's like not interesting. Russell Wilson, obviously Um, who are quarterbacks that I think are underrated. Matt Ryan, I think is consistently underrated. That counts. I thought Phillip rivers was underrated for a long time. He obviously his career is over, so can no longer say that. But for a while I was a Phillip rivers stand. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater, super underrated. I don't know if that counts. Okay. But, uh, Noticing more of a trend. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I really wished Cam Newton could have put it together because I really like it when he plays well. Yeah. I don't know. It's just the hell stuff is just never going to go away with him. So I I have no idea if that's going to be going to be a thing for him long term. But I, I root for the best because I'm, I'm also a big Cam guy. So it seems like we overthink who's an actual contender every single year. And the Minnesota Vikings are not contenders. The Seattle Seahawks are not contenders. They're both very good NFC teams, but they're not they're not contenders. Um, so the um, the number one seed, if you look year over year, as you're familiar, seems like they have a very good shot of um, going to the Super Bowl. So I. So, so, I look at it and I'm like, so mm-hmm. who are the who are the contenders to you? It's the 49ers, it's, the Patriots. Three. We have three. The three, not four? Three. No. So between the Ravens and the Chiefs, who's not the contender? Chiefs are definitely out. Out. Why? Don't trust the defense. Don't trust the offensive line. Seems like it's not really their year. Don't like the injury stuff with Mahomes. It just it's off. There's not enough there. And they're not going to get a home field advantage. Like, that's another big thing. It's like, they are a team that definitely needs the number one seed. They're a team it, that needs the Pats at home. To, to me, it sounds like they need a phenomenal quarterback to come over all of these issues. And I think they have one. Yeah, but they're, what, four losses? Yeah, that's not bad. 
It's not great. You, I mean, you're not getting the number one seed in the. the no, you're not. Right. There's no chance that they like get you're a going buy, to Foxborough. Yeah. Okay. They go to Foxborough. I I don't know. I trust them. You sh- you should not. You should not trust the Steve Spagnuolo defense. I I think it's three. I think it's the Saints, the 49ers, and the Pats. So not That's even it. the Ravens. No, because I, I I know how this goes. We saw it last year. The <laughs> the all time great season, like from Holmes, and then just going and playing New England. Just like two plays uh, away. That's. I know, and I could see the same thing happening again with Lamar <laughs> in New England. Bill Belichick is not losing to Lamar twice. twice. I don't know, yeah, man. It's, it's it is just a different style. Of I would love it. I, I would love Lamar in the Super Bowl. I would very much love a Ravens 49ers rematch that everyone that America wants. Um, no, I and it, like I don't know how many people know on the schedule we have Saints 49ers next in two weeks. That's deciding. I think the NFC Super Bowl. <laughs> is who gets that win because like depending on those two like i don't see san francisco going into new orleans but then again you know what did the rams do last year so i don't know i think those are my three those are the three that i'm very comfortable saying that are like could win the super bowl this year anyone else no i'm 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 much more lenient i I expanded that to you're just nice include the chiefs and the ravens people never say that about me i appreciate that yeah um, what would you do if you're Jacksonville? Things aren't going well with Foles. I would have never I'm started ready to bring Foles. back Gardner. I, I yeah, I absolutely I would have just stuck with Minshew the whole time. Just like take the Flint Sanity loss. I understand why they did it though, right? Like you just hate the idea of this much money on the bench. Like you just Seahawks did like, it worked out all right for that's them. That's true. <laughs> like just that's a really good point. But did you see Russell Wilson stuff? From Minshew? Well, stylistically, yes. I don't know if I saw uh, Rookie of the Year type stuff like we saw from from Wilson, who unfortunately had to be in the same class as Luck and Griffin. Um, well, he got the last one. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, <laughs> sub- substantially, it turns out. Uh, who would have thought that out of all of them, he was the one that would escape injury? Um, but yeah, uh, I, 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 I would have never, after Minshew just like lit it up like he did knowing that that team just has talent issues on offense. It, it, it just been way too easy for me to stick with Minshew. And it's like, Hey, you got Wally pipped. It happens. You know, uh, we'll trade him just like, you know, the, the Patriots traded Drew Bledsoe. And I think the Seahawks got out from under the Matt Flynn contract. So it's possible. I mean, you still have that asset. People wanted to sign him. They still want him, or not anymore. That's maybe, true. but, if you keep them on the bench. No, there are teams that want them. There are still some some teams that I could see chomping at the bit. Um, and you know what I think most teams would love most about Nick Foles on the trade market? Uh, He's not Colin Kaepernick. That they would love that about. Do you see that they, uh, the Lions just tried signing Josh Johnson, but they couldn't? The mm. XFL? I, I love that. Well, Vince McMahon is very... He's always been someone who keeps his guys under contract and doesn't let them leave. <laughs> Famously, so, yes. That's a thing. Yeah. Vince does not like letting guys go. Uh, <laughs> he's worked that into he's worked that into the XFL, another phenomenal legacy of Vince McMahon. Um, yeah, a known great guy, <laughs> Vince McMahon. <laughs> Labor leader, Vince McMahon. Labor leader, Vince, <laughs> Vincent Kennedy McMahon. <laughs> Welcome to the resistance. <laughs> Vince McMahon. 
but yeah, his wife I lost my turn to Or is she just huh? His wife isn't she in the administration? Or did she? She was, and then she left. Oh well. Remember, it's like a revolving door. We're like nine thousand people, I think, have been in it, but they're yeah, it's been no out. longer an exclusive. Um, she was like the small. Bi- I love that she was like the small business person when like she came from like one of the biggest companies. And like, no one knows small, small business like the co-owner of the WWE. <laughs> the product of an insane merger, by the way. Mm-hmm. Super merger. <laughs> Classic small business move. <laughs> <laughs> the WWE, just like your neighborhood deli. <laughs> Um, Carolina. We have two, a couple other quick hitters I want to get to. I know you got to run soon. Um, it feels like they're in a no-win situation going into this offseason. Like they're still playing hard. They're still playing well. You have Dave Tepper, who seems kind of like a potentially crazy owner that we're going to be talking about in a couple years. Like Tillman Fertitta in Houston. Um, I I don't know what they do. Probably like shout out to Marty Herney for getting those checks still. So I hope he keeps staying on and keeps doing that. Um, you love to see it, folks. Cam seems like he's he's gone. Kyle Allen seems like he's somewhere in that twenty to twenty five range where you're like, I'd love him as a backup. He's a quarterback he's named Allen, yeah. Yeah. A couple, couple of those whatever. in the NFL. And then Will Greer doesn't look great there. That third rounder they used on him does uh, uh, rough like for my dynasty team too. Yeah. They're going to draft late in the first round because the team's good outside of him. Jeremy McCoy's been a, just a great signing for them. He's been great in the interior and it had to move some guys out of position, but it's been fine. Their defense has been great. Um, they have all the skill position talent and Samuel McCaffrey and all those dudes. DJ Moore is starting to break through. Like they're ready to win now. They have so many great pieces. Like there's so much to like about this team, but now they're in a weird, weird spot with their quarterback. And I don't, I wouldn't fire Rivera. I wouldn't fire anyone from the staff. I think Turner's done a really good job with this group. Um, I would roll it back with them, but I don't know how they solve the quarterback stuff with. Their so decision. you, you have to, you have to consult your medical. I mean, obviously the most obvious statement of all time, but uh, you have to consult with your medical staff to figure out, basically just do this fundamental risk analysis. What's the likelihood that a late first round pick can lead us into a playoff run. And obviously like Lamar Jackson did it is doing it. So like it's not impossible, but what's the likelihood that a late first round pick at quarterback can lead us to a playoff run with this roster? Obviously is a good roster versus what's the likelihood that, that cam can recover within these next two years um, to be his former self. And you have to weigh those odds against each other. I think it's likelier that you get cam back. And I agree that it's unlikely. I don't know that we'll continue to get these successes from like Mahomes and Jackson and Watson, where these middle to late round picks at quarterback, uh, late first round picks at quarterback, end up producing in the ways that they do, while the top quarterbacks kind of either fizzle or they just don't produce it, develop at the same rate. Um, it's a quarterback class where you're very likely to have maybe five quarterbacks, so it's more likely than than most quarterback classes. But I just think that generally speaking, you have to make this decision. And obviously, by the time the draft rolls around, you'll have specific quarterbacks in mind and say, "Hey, you know, I think if it ends up being, you know, from yes, but love, no, right? Like, and you you can make specific decisions like that. But you have to make a risk analysis and figure out what's the likelihood that Cam can come back, and then weigh that against." the probability that you think the particular quarterbacks that will be available to you in the draft will be ready within the next year or two. 
right? Because it's not like you'll get Gerald McCoy three years from now. Um, so you have to figure that out because you're right. This roster is really good. DJ Moore, like you said, is kind of breaking out. Um, obviously, that defense has a lot more talent than I think a lot of people anticipated going in. Um, yeah, uh, but but you, you have to make that decision. Or trade for fools, right? Um, but yeah. Oh god. Yeah, you probably don't do that. Uh, but you have to you have to make that decision based off of essentially that decision matrix. Or trade for Gardner if they commit. Right. Yeah. If they're I don't. I don't think Gardner's on the market. He's too cheap. Yeah, probably not. Um, last thing, and then you, you've got to run. Um, how does tonight go? Monday night football. What? What do you see tonight? Uh, who's playing? I, I don't remember. Was it the <laughs> Ravens? Right. I have no idea. That is that is the state of Monday night football. It's the Ravens at Rams. This is a good game. Oh, that is. I mean, well, in theory, I mean, the Rams haven't. Really I'm still on Rams right. Island. I, I think they're fine. I think people, they're like the Cowboys where the record doesn't actually show that they're still, I think, a top 10 team in the NFL. They're fine. There's just not their best year. Gotten a little unlucky, bad injuries. They're fine. Uh, Goff is another quarterback I don't trust. <laughs> you just, I, na- I named, if they're not Kirk six, Cousins, he doesn't have time for you six, folks. I, Teddy I, I Bridgewater, Kirk Cousins, that's it. I named five or six quarterbacks. And Gardner Minshew. Yeah, and Gardner Minshew. Love him. Uh, (laughs) you need to do your quarterback rankings just to see on twitter.com how they react to just your top three folks you heard it here first on the chase thomas podcast number one kirk cousins number two i would not even a starter teddy bridgewater number three gardner (laughs) Minshew, not even a starter (laughs) i trust jimmy gq they're quarterbacks i trust uh you trust jimmy over and not even carson and rogers and guys like that correct you're you you can't work with the release time like that can you are, are you already typing up like how many words in are you on like Ryan Tannehill actually could be the next Tom Brady? R- Ryan Tannehill is super interesting. I don't trust him, oh, but God. he's the most interesting quarterback right now. You're just I I didn't know you were this much of a contrarian, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you booked me. I don't. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. All right. Speaking of booking, you are booked for something else. So you've got to run. But um, right before you go, how can we read you? What can we uh, look for from you uh, during Thanksgiving week? Um, yeah. So I ju- it just published while we were talking uh, a guide to offensive advanced statistics in player evaluation and what it means for Vikings Pro Bowl voting. Um, so I, I looked at like Stephon Diggs, Devin Cook, Kirk Cousins by a number of advanced statistics. Uh, and so that's out. That's over at theathletic.com where all of my written work is. You can also find me on podcasts. Uh, so I do a regular one called Norse Code. Uh, I also do another regular one called The Football Machine. You can just type those into whatever podcast search engine you have. Uh, I should come up or you can just follow me on Twitter at Arifasan NFL, spelled A R I F H A S A N NFL. All right. Do that. Thanks so much, man. And we'll have to do this again soon. Yeah, this was fun. All right, man. Peace. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.